Jump to Aerial Podcast 94. About to board an aeroplane, but I thought I'd squeeze one in. Keep my promise. Every week a podcast coming at you, and rather than me jibber-jabbering again, you must be sick of the sound of my voice. I've recruited a guest, very kindly, a day gamer and uh, a poker player. He's uh, a man of many talents. He's come onto the show this week because I've always been fascinated uh, with day game as a hustle. It's skill, not luck. Learning a core skill set, you know, winning against the house, seeing set patterns, winning over time. And I've wanted to get a poker player on or a blackjack player on for a long, long time because I know sod all about poker. I've probably played about two games in my whole life. I can barely play roulette. So very kindly, a chap from the north of England called Rob, who was a pro uh, poker player, I think, for about five years. Also a day gamer for a, a year and a half or so. He's coming onto the show in a second to, to look at the parallels, to look at the technique, to look at the similarities, to look at the mindsets. Uh, and I'll, I'll try and ask him how all this relates to pickup, improving your pickup, keeping it practical. So there we go. A couple of announcements. Stealth Seduction, it is out, obviously. If you're on my mailing list, there's a 15% discount for this week only. So all you need to do is to go to my blog, sign up for my mailing list, and uh, you get a code which gives you 15% off Stealth Seduction. If you want live training, as I said, I'm not doing much this year, but my main coach, my main instructor, my main wing, Craig, he's back in the UK for UK coaching. Booking is through me, tom at tomterrera.com. All right, let's dive in. Because Rob's on the line, I've got to catch a plane. Are you there, Mr. Rob? Yeah, hi, Tom. All right, mate, cheers for coming on to the show this week. Yeah, no problem. And you are an ex-pro poker player, is that right? You've been doing it for a long time, you were pro for a while? Yeah, I've played professionally, um, both online and in casinos. Um, Between, I think it was around 2008 to 2013. Okay. And were you were you nomadic uh, with your online stuff? Were you able to travel, or was that your main yeah. main income? I was about fifty fifty to be honest. Um, I stayed port and played the um, UK casinos quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to get some travel and play online too. Beautiful. And now you're a day gamer as well. Yeah, that was. Um, I, I think I started around two thousand and fifteen. Um, yep. So did you did you straight away see similarities? Because I've always been fascinated. That's why I called it Street Hustle. You know, I was fascinated with books like Bringing Down the House, the story of the Blackjack, um, Harvard, or what was it, MIT team, Breaking Vegas. I, I was always fascinated by poker and blackjack being taken seriously, guys learning it as a skill, not as a drunken kind of bro um, late night beer game. Yeah, and uh, winning against the odds, beating the house. Did you see the parallels? Did you see the parallels straight away? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, straight away, it's um, it struck me as one of those things that is somewhat an art and somewhat a science. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's its own kind of niche community, kind of like day game also. Um, and the thing I noticed uh, to begin with is. To you learn the basic rules of the game, but to progress from just a complete amateur who does it for fun to someone who wants to make money, you need um, 
a basic strategic framework. Yeah. Um, this would be a lot like the early London day game model. Um, yeah. You know, it's, that would be, for poker, it would be learning how to only play certain hands um, from certain positions, um, only paying to see the next card when the odds are correct, yeah. how stereotype your opponents, how to exploit them once you know, once you've stereotyped them, and a few common kind of um, set pieces, um, moves that will just work well. You know, that would be that would be like the classic. Um, you look French, you know, um, <laughs> in day game. How long? How long does the fundamentals, the rules, the set pieces take? Let's say you were coaching me. I'm a total beginner. Uh, my maths isn't that bad, so. Let's say I'm willing to learn. You're my coach. I want to play to earn money. How long would that take me? I I think it takes um, could take around six to twelve months. I would say um, at that point um, these fundamentals, rather than feeling robotic and very logical, they become more internalised. Um, yeah. Just like with day game, you know, you you start to you get to a point where you know when to stray from the model you know um, when to be a little more creative you treat each situation on its unique merit rather than simply reciting um, a strategy yeah that's music to my ears because as you know I'm against the be yourself be natural give it a go model sure and I guess a guy walking into a pro tournament and you just said to me, Tom, yeah, just give it a go, man. Just just, just <laughs> yeah. feel the vibe of the room. Um, yeah, it, would be suicide, yeah? Yeah, it, it'd be very expensive to learn poker by just being yourself, basically. Well, that's what the guys in Vegas do, isn't it? You know, the lads who go on holiday or the, the, the guys who have a bit of, uh, you know, a few rounds of beers and then um, hit the table, they're letting their emotions run the game and the alcohol run their game. Sure, yeah. And, and uh, they, they still haven't spotted that Vegas is hustling them. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's exactly that. They're the players who the professionals are waiting for, basically. Yeah. Um, and um, the difference, um, aside from the skill set, is the attitude between an amateur and a professional. Yeah. So a professional is looking at a poker table and assessing where the value is. He's... He's spotting the players who will potentially lose money. Um, he's, the, he's also focused heavily on good long-term decisions. Yeah. Uh, be, now, because in poker, any card can come. So there is already, there's always elements that are out of your control. An amateur might take a gamble hoping to get lucky mm -hmm. uh, and might win what that one day. Yeah, four or five times he will lose. So, to be a professional, you must understand that you win money, you're successful by always making the right decisions and not worrying about the things you can't control. Well, that's, um, that, that's a great intermediate point for day gamers. You know, number one, zooming out, I say, and seeing if you're up at the end of the year. Number two, taking your ego out of it and not letting your emotions run away with a girl a special snowflake, you know, or a, that was an amazing set. Um, break breaking the rules, so you know there's fundamentals you're not allowed to break, but you think, ah, she's different from all the rest. Yeah. Um, that, that, this is this is core basics, I guess, of poker and day game. 
Sure. Um, what you said then um, about you could you could have a great set and then almost become too attached to that one girl. Um, yeah, all the signs could be telling you she's crazy. Um, yeah. In a poker game, you can join a table which looks quite juicy, let's say. Mm-hmm. You, know, you think you're going to be there to win money. Then half an hour in, it turns out, actually, these guys can play. Um, but often, an amateur's ego will get in the way there. Um, yep. They remain too attached to the money they thought they were going to win before the game began. What about volume? Because the way to, in day game to be unattached from results, I remember living with a guy who played semi-pro poker, and he used to have multiple tabs, multiple games at the same, yeah. same time. Obviously, he wasn't playing the longer tournaments, he was playing the short-term stuff. And that obviously made him care less about each hand, each game. Yeah, yeah, totally. That it's it's such an important thing. Um, one for desensitization. You know, the more times you've been lucky or unlucky, the more it kind of doesn't mean anything. The more you learn to enjoy the process rather than yeah. the ups and downs. Um, and then, aside from that, there's always um, what's obviously referred to as statistical variance. Yeah. So that would be kind of like how when you flip a coin. Even though it's 50-50, you could get 10 heads in a row, 10 tails in a row. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's winning streaks and losing streaks in day game. you got the skill, but you're waiting for the cards. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I, I, that's, you know, it's something I found to be a, a complete parallel. Yeah, um, guys are so invested in each interaction, and they're perhaps thinking, why did she flake? Why did that one not hook? Um, I say, if you don't worry about her, don't worry about getting her. Worry about getting the skill, because then when the right girl comes along, I guess for you, when the right hand comes along, you're you're, you're lethal. Yeah. Yeah, it, that, that that's totally it. You know, um, I I've known guys within poker who are, are so emotionally attached to every hand, and um, they always suffer because they ask the wrong questions. They when they lose a game, they'll bemoan their luck. They'll they'll say their opponent got it wrong etc rather than using that same energy just to work on their own game there's a zenness to it isn't there there's a there's a stoicism I think in day game especially for intermediates and above you learn to accept the probability of life and the universe and that gives you a a nice calmness to go into a a set because I'm not invested so much in each individual girl. Is that like with poker, you can be pretty zen at a table? Yeah, I, I would say 100%. You know, you um, you know the process, you've been through it before, you know you've had success before, you know you'll get it again, and you know that any energy wasted on being upset at the game itself is just a waste of time, you know? Um, yeah. You have to love the roller coaster to some extent as well. Um, yeah, I, I was saying to a mate yesterday, the game games you. Like poker plays you in a in a good way because you get highs and lows and it baits you and you've had a win and then you have a loss and you want another win. It's uh, it's what we call fractionation, isn't it? It's <laughs> the game yeah. game is gaming me. Yeah, yeah, it's um, that, that's totally true, definitely. What about in chess? The, the Russian cliche is obviously you're thinking X number of moves ahead. And I often say to my students, number one, know where you are. 
So know where you are in the set. And number two, you should be thinking of the end game. You should be thinking multiple moves ahead. Does that make sense in poker? Yeah, that, that, that totally does. Um, it happens within an individual hand and within a game. So at any point of a poker game, I'm reassessing the table. I'm considering how they perceive me and how they might think they're perceived. So um, mm-hmm. let's say, for instance, I have just shown a, a really strong hand, like a, a flush. Yep. So psychologically, whether it's rational or not, my opponents will now tend to perceive me as more likely to have a strong hand. It's, um, yep. They are more likely to now believe me when I bluff. So sometimes um, I may, let's assume my opponents have folded I may show a strong hand, which is almost like a DHV. You are you are planting the seed into the game. Yeah. You have strong hands um, that you can then use on them later um, to steal steal the money in the pot. So there, um, there's obviously intent because um, you want to win, like in game. Uh, we have to have massive intent, but there's this uh, there's this cockiness. There's this um, self-assuredness which is the psychological element I guess we call it frame but in poker you're as you said you're, it's a hustle because you're trying to suggest to the others even if you haven't got it that you have yeah and to, so when you join a game to some extent if you're a good player you are trying to you do have a cocky edge to you you're, you're trying to win the pot when you shouldn't you are hustling them basically Um you're trying to get them on the ropes. Um, yeah. Um, how does that, just, just out of interest, how does that differ live um, to online? Because obviously the phenomenon of learning, earning your living off online is massive. A lot of the guys I meet on the road, the day gamers, they play poker semi-pro online. But if you're sitting face-to-face, as in Casino Royale, it, are they all cliches about, you know, staring your opponent out, vibe frame swagger what i would say is it's not as um it's not as literal as it is in a film so you don't stare at a guy then see him look at his watch which (laughs) means as a pair of aces it it's more similar it's more instinctive like you know just sometimes you're in a, a day game set and you don't necessarily logically observe every little thing she does but through repetition and experience, yeah. you pick up kind of vibe she's giving. You you sometimes know, even when she isn't saying a lot, that she's attracted to you. Um, yeah, and that comes more as an internalized thing through repetition, um, and in in live when you're in a casino, um, you are constantly sort of aware of what they think about you, um, whether it's conscious or whether they verbalized it or not. Would you recommend that guys learn to play live as a strength? Uh, you know, for th- for these guys that just play online, are they suffering in some form psychologically from this kind of frame battle? I would say so because you online online can be a little robotic sometimes. Um, mm. My my play in a casino is definitely more creative and varied. Um, you just have that little bit more information on an opponent, um, which you can use to your own advantage. 
Yeah, which is why we preach day game and not Tinder and online. Although um, you can make, there are guys that win online, making it robotic, mathematical. Um, but yeah, it's it's just nice to be with human beings, isn't it? It's it's it, that will never go away. This face to face battle, uh, whether that's chess or poker or day game. Yeah, it, it it's it's a somewhat healthier way to do it. Really, I I always found just because the social aspect, um, you know, poker again, kind of like day game because you aren't working a normal job you're not with not necessarily with people all the time you you're out there on your own um your results are entirely on you it's in it's it's an intense emotional roller coaster as you said isn't it sure it it, it can potentially be lonely through a bad time um yeah just like you know day game could be Oh yeah, and there's an addictive element, of course, to um, to womanising and poker, which uh, which should be obvious to everybody listening. Um, all right, coming back to coming back to calibration, right, and coming back to fractionation. In game, we've got this paradox that you've got to be on, so you've got to be aggressive, like driving in London. You know, if you drive like a pussy in London, you don't go anywhere. Yeah. So, so with my students, I'm saying, come on, man, 99% of my guys are nice guys. And I'm saying on, 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 you want to win end game, end game, end game. But at the same time, the deeply frustrating thing about game is that you've got to be off. You've got to be chill. You've got to smile. You've got to not care. So there's this horrible paradox that you want to win the poker game, yeah. but you don't need to win the poker game. Does that, do you, do poker players have that? That, that is pretty much a perfect parallel. Um, you know, a good poker strategy is somewhat aggressive. Most poker players, 95% of poker players, are not aggressive enough. They're not trying to win the game, really. They are passive. They just, they're letting the cards kind of rule them. Um, so when you learn, you learn that you need to start trying to bluff. You need, you need to make it uncomfortable for your opponents. Um, now, the problem with overdoing this, being on all the time, yeah. is that opponents will start to resist you. Um, they will no longer believe you when you make a bluff because they're fed up, basically. Yeah. Um, so you, within a game, you need to fractionate a bit. You know, if you have sudden, if you have just played the last five hands, you may need to take a back seat for a little bit. Yeah. Let, let them, you know, get involved. Just maybe stay out of trouble. Um, so you're constantly adapting to the situation um, and on the flip side if you have been the quiet man at the table you haven't played any hands people will know people yeah. will now have an image that you're a tight player so at this point you can make a bluff you're more likely to get away with a bluff um, mm -hmm. and this if you are to make a bluff it must be congruent you must you you must understand how you play good hands in order to make a bluff. So if your bluff doesn't look like how you would play a strong hand, it won't make any sense and your a good opponent will be able to read you and get out of the way. Yeah, this is, this is the problem of teaching fractionation. I find it really hard because when I say to a student, be on, or when I say to the student, look like you don't care, you know, push her away, go quiet, give her a nag, qualify her. Unless it's calibrated, unless you know why you're doing it and therefore when to do it, it could completely backfire. Like if you do, if you try and qualify a girl before she's hooked, 
it'll backfire, right? If you over-neg, it'll backfire. If you go quiet on the wrong girl over text, she'll vanish. Yeah. Um, if you roll off the wrong token LMR in the bedroom, she'll go. And the frustrating thing is, I say it's situation dependent, it's girl dependent, and it's dependent on your experience. So it's deeply frustrating to teach. And I guess a poker tutor must must find that because you've got to be in the game. You've got to have seen those situations thousands of times before. Sure. Like, I, I would say a good poker coach gives this kind of outline, but the player himself must find the calibration. So, yeah. and to find that, I mean, myself, um, you need to sometimes be the crazy guy who bluffs all the time. You need to be the tighter guy. You need to be the unpredictable guy. Sometimes you'll go too far, but you only find the happy medium by that experimentation. Yeah, perfect. And it's safe to say for poker, new poker players and for new day gamers, it's better to be too aggressive and it's better to go too far, isn't it? Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Um, beautiful. Well, that brings us on. Look how smooth this is, Rob. That brings us on to the psychology of game and the psychology of poker. And it's not something I've spoken much about. In my new seminar um, for intermediates, I'm going to talk about psychology. The reason I don't talk about psychology with new guys is what you've already said. I say, fuck in a game. Work on your technique, your fundamentals, your rules, your hands, your counting, your statistics, yeah? Yeah. But then once you've played poker for a year, or day game for a year, two years, you got, you're, you're very self-aware of your mood. I'm very self-aware of, is it a good vibe day? Is it, am I being reactive? Am I being snappy? Um, am I too invested, etc., etc. So psychology obviously comes into play with pro athletes, pro chess, pro poker, pro day game. So what you played it pro, as in you were earning your living from it for a while, what, what, we, what was your psychology framework for, for surviving this roller coaster? Well, um, kind of like I said earlier, really, it, it was the heavy focus on the long term, you know. Um, it, 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 it's some of the sort of, um, what, what would you say, the... Some of the self-help cliches to some extent. I, yeah. I would about what I wanted for poker, why I was doing it. I would learn to laugh and enjoy even when I was unlucky, almost in a... Um, I, do, I do it almost in a sadistic way. Like, if she leaves, yeah. I just laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly that. I couldn't think of a way to put it. Yeah, it, it is almost like I, I would almost laugh after losing an enormous... Um, yeah after one card was extremely unlucky rather than rather than sulk or get angry um, I mean and sometimes it would bother me I certainly wasn't entirely stoic but of course. I would try and make a joke of it I would talk to other poker players we would we would um, discuss strategy we would you know have a laugh about it yeah um, no but nobody can ever be not invested because otherwise you wouldn't be a good athlete or a good poker player no. or a good day game you've got to care and you've got to want it and I think sometimes a little bit of anger is good um, sure. like what I call the royal flush I don't know what that means in poker but when I do the royal flush it's quite good actually because I lay down the boundaries uh, it kind of resets my my thing sometimes it gets the girl back um, do you ever 
well, let's go on to poker terms then. What is what? What are some of the poker terms that are relevant to a day gamer? Um, I'm not sure there's always direct parallels, but obviously, um, some of the famous ones. Obviously, one you just said is Royal Flush, which is the strongest hand. Um, yeah. One that I hear used a lot in both is results orientated. Um, yeah. That is of detachment between. Um, between your actions and the stuff you can't control. Yeah. Uh, what about to draw your opponent? What does that mean? Um. Well, the the term draw tech is my is slightly more of a technical term. Um. But you are you are. I, I suppose it's often referred to in poker as inducing your opponent, which yep. is would be the same thing as like. Um, taking a certain action in day game which you know she'll react in a certain way yeah, um, yeah they're very useful tools things like qualifying her um, push pull negging um, bouncing they're very predictable moves to get her to do a counter move yeah so a, a similar one would be something like um, in day game vacuuming you know yeah. allowing allowing her to talk so in poker the equivalent would be when you have an extremely strong hand you sometimes play it in a quite passive manner to induce your opponent to attack you yeah you've kind of you've, you've created that vacuum you, you don't look like you're interested he fills it by trying to be aggressive trying to win the pot and you know you can then yeah. win his money yeah no I like that because um, one of the comments from people watching Stealth Seduction is uh, sometimes on the date it is just nothing like it is just you could call it baby talk or a little, little bit of chit chat and a guy's like well this is not what's on YouTube this is not what's on Ocean's 11, uh, 11. This, this is not fucking flashy what's going on and I say well if only you knew mate if only you were there you know that it's like the spider waiting for the fly um, yeah. and you can't see what I'm doing with my hands or you can't see what I'm doing with my eyes um, again it's very hard to describe a, a kind of a draw isn't it um, or the tells As somebody somebody watching like me watching a game of poker you playing poker I wouldn't be able to spot all these very subtle shifts in energy would I yeah that, that again that's a totally um, total parallel um, I've often wondered when it's shown on TV it, it, for someone who wouldn't understand poker it, it just all looks so random um, yeah. it looks like the players are just behaved there's no pattern to what they're doing or why they're doing it yeah. yet the hand they're showing on the TV could have been building for the last three three hours basically yeah. they couldn't both players have history um, you know that's built to that and like day game um Good poker doesn't always look glamorous. Um, yeah. It's sometimes very good fundamentals done well. Yeah, that's a it, yeah, like a like a game of cricket or chess. It's a it's it's you're in for the long haul. All right, to, to finish and to come to come back to these characters, guys at the table. Obviously, it's fascinating for. Um, for movies and books and that's why I read you know bringing down the house or breaking Vegas by authors like Ben Mesrick people are fascinated by this underworld of characters that don't have jobs they travel around the world obviously there's girls involved and money involved and 
it's very very black sheep and as i said a lot of the day gamers i meet all over the world who are sitting in cafes working they're they're poker players sure so what what's this community like is it very similar to the underground world of uh, of pickup have you got all sorts of characters all sorts of theories conflicting coaches sure yeah totally you have um it, it does have the very secret society vibe you know um, own set of characters you've got sort of your unwritten rules etiquette it's very slang heavy um yeah but uh, Definitely the strange, strange mix of characters. Um, <laughs> yeah, the colourful characters. Oh, and totally. You you have the, you also have the, theorists like the kind of keyboard warrior types who, who will argue forever about a little bit of theory, but probably aren't that strong of a player themselves. You meet the really eccentric guys who have just lived in a casino for. The last ten years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it uh, know, is it changing? Is it evolving? Uh, I know with you know things going online and more people playing and uh, different backup uh, databases that you can check out your opponent on all that stuff. Is it is it changing rapidly? I, I would say so. Yeah. Um, you know, um, probably. You know, if you take it back, say. 10 years or so um, the cliche of probably um, men sat on a table smoking was probably closer to the truth whereas um, if you you look at a big tournament now Mm -hmm. it's probably with millions on the line it's probably a a table of 24 year old guys um, who've all learned online and learned very mathematically um, probably only played for three or four years day game is starting to change but luckily it's still in its very early days it's still very underground it's still there's very very few people doing it so um yeah it's encouraging if you if you enjoy if you're a listener and you enjoy this underworld of poker then day game is in its infancy right now you know the rule book of the fundamentals has only just been written so yeah there's a lot of guys quitting their job to do it there's a lot of guys on the road doing it if you can work out how to fund yourself and travel around the world whether you're an online marketer or you're a poker player or you rent your house out and do airbnb more and more people every country i go to there's guys in a cafe working on laptops and then i see them day gaming so um thank you rob grandfather time is approaching half an hour which itunes and listeners enjoy so um we could go on forever and a and a book deserves to be written i think on the similarities between um blackjack poker um pickup in general not just day game because pickup is pickup isn't it so um whether you write that book or we write it together or we make future podcasts and videos on it it's, it's a great topic and i hope people appreciate how technical um poker is and how technical day game is yeah totally totally it's a um, great great subject to talk about cheers man um and perhaps you can help me with my poker basics and i'll and i'll and i'll help you with your day game in any way shape or form but that was podcast 94 with rob cheers rob ta-da now yeah speak to you next week ta-da